You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. And good morning, Mapleview. Ah, so nice to be with you. Oh, the lights are down. I can't see you very well. Just I always like to look out at the beautiful faces out there. Sorry, John, not you, but just some other people there. Yeah, awesome. Oh, I'm so honored to be with you this Sunday and uh, next, uh, next Sunday. And uh, to those here, to those online, bless you. And uh, Pastor Jay and Jody, wherever you may be today, thank you. I'm not sure if you're zooming in in cyberspace somewhere, but uh, thank you for this gracious uh, invitation. Okay, so... I got to get my uh, clock set here. I'm putting my timer on because I tend to speak too long. So when Pastor Jay asked me if I would come and share, uh, I asked him, of course, uh, did you have a sense of uh, what's in this season for Maple View and what's God put on your heart? And he shared with me the theme for uh, 2023, Wind and Fire, mentioned uh, the book of Acts, uh, living in the early church. What was that like? What was that about such an incredible Sunday, uh, or, uh, study? And last Sunday, uh, Pastor Jay uh, introduced this theme, Wind of Fire, with, um, uh, in looking at Acts chapter 2. So uh, let me read that for you. If you weren't here uh, last week, you need to have this, and it will be a good reminder for all of us. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And of course, the uh, reference there to wind and, and fire. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, church family, was also the birth of the church. It was the very beginning. It was in its formative. It just. It was just born. It was. It was a baby. And so I wanted to continue in the uh, the study of looking at this early church in um, Acts chapter two. It includes that incredible sermon by. Uh, Peter explaining what just happened because there were people who that were visiting in Jerusalem. We thought you people are out of your minds, um, and, and and in fact they thought they were drunk. And they said no. Uh, um, Peter said no. This is really fulfilling what had been spoken by the prophet Joel hundreds of years earlier. And and there was just this incredible um, growing sense. There was this momentum in the body of Christ that was building in Acts chapter, uh, chapters 3 and 4. There's, there's just an explosion of miracles and 
church growth and generosity. We read about uh, Peter and John going into the temple, and there's the lame man there that they... Uh, that God used them powerfully in, and he was healed. Uh, then Peter preached another incredible sermon in, uh, and in 319 he said, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that's Pastor Jay's passion as uh, Pastor uh, Laura Lynn said a few minutes ago, he has such a, a passion for the presence of God. I love that. And when I actually went back and listened to his sermon uh, twice from last Sunday. And if you haven't heard it, you, you need, need to. But in the, in the book of Acts and in the early church, the momentum continues to build. And, and again, there's such excitement. And, and people, church family, people were turning to Christ literally by the thousands, by the thousands. It was hard for them to keep up with it all. And, and in fact, it was so impacting that was what was happening is so many people were turning to Christ that the religious leaders got upset. They arrested Peter and John. They were taken before the council. But then they were even so amazed at how they spoke. And they said, surely these people have been with with Jesus, but they ordered them to stop talking about Jesus, uh, and they would release them. And but Peter and John said, "No, we won't stop. We can't stop talking about Jesus. That's what we're called to do." But they let them go. They went to a prayer meeting, and there was this incredible uh, uh, power in this prayer meeting as people lifted their voices together. And we could talk all day about the importance of. Prayer, and I know that's on Pastor Jay's uh, heart as well, a growing sense of prayer in the house here at Mapleview. And then, and then there's this, this incredible narrative towards the end of Acts, Acts 4. Just, just listen to, to this. Now the multitude, the word multitude, of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say, that any of the things that he possessed was his own. But they held all things in common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and they laid that money at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as they had need. And, and they gave then, starting in verse 30, 36, this beautiful example of a guy by the name of Jose, who we know as Barnabas, also, uh, which means translated a son of encouragement, who was a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, they sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was just awesome what was going on. And you can't, you can't read the story in the book of Acts without being deeply impacted by the, the growth and the presence and the power of, of God. And then we go into Acts chapter 5 and discover in the middle of all of this excitement and energy and momentum 
we discover a story that is so stunning, so sobering, so gripping, so frightening, really, that it's hard to believe Maple View that it even happened. And yet it not only happened, but the Holy Spirit directed Luke to include it in the story of the early church. This story is so gripping. I know pastors who have never talked about it. But if we're going to be true, if we're going to really look at the early church and what was going on, we have to be true to God's word. We have to look at it. And by the way, you Bible students, you'll know this, that verses and chapters were added hundreds of years later to help us kind of break down. But the story of Acts 4, there's no break as it goes into Acts 5. So, so in Acts 4, telling the story of Barnabas, it's amazing. And then in 5, verse 1, but, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and he brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While you had the land, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It gets worse. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Wow. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Wow, are you glad you came to church today? Verse 7, now it was about three hours later when his wife came in not knowing what had happened to her husband Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for this amount? Yes, for that amount. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Whew. So I've pastored for decades. And I've had 
people. In fact, I think I've referenced when I've had the privilege of speaking here before, I've had people say, oh, pastor, we just want our church to be a Book of Acts church. I don't think they were thinking about Acts chapter 5 when they said that. But friends, if we are going to be committed to study the Bible, we can't pick and choose. We have to wrestle with these difficult passages. And it raises questions like, well, hold on. It wasn't the Old Testament law and the New Testament grace? Like, where is the grace here? What about an opportunity for Ananias and Sapphira to confess their sins and get forgiven and have a second chance? Don't we believe in a God of the second chance? Or how about if that happened, because again, it's New Testament. If that happened there, could it happen today? Like, should we get the funeral home on the line? And say, we may need you. Or does it happen today? Maybe not in that way. How about Peter? How did he know that they had lied? And then how did he know that Sapphira was going to die like her husband died? So many questions. And you know those questions... Pastor Jay will be back in three months, and I'm sure he'll be happy to answer all of those questions for you. But I do want to just look at a couple questions quickly, and then I want to look at a couple of thoughts of what does this mean for us? So what was it that Ananias and Sapphira did that led to such an immediate and severe punishment? Well, let me tell you what, first of all, what it wasn't. It wasn't that they kept part of the money. That wasn't the issue. Like Peter made it very clear, that money was yours to do what you wanted to. The problem is they lied. They conspired. They deceived. They lied to Peter. They lied to the believers. And most importantly, they lied to the Holy Spirit. So it raises the question, well, why did they do this? Well, the text is not really clear, but it seems as one pastor said, they were dying to be recognized. Undoubtedly, they had watched people like Barnabas selling things, bringing the money and all the proceeds uh, from things they had sold. And they wanted to get in on the action. And even though they uh, chose to keep some of the money for themselves. They want it to appear that they had given it all to the point that they were willing to lie to the Holy Spirit about it. What a sad situation. They weren't who they were pretending to be. So what do we, what do, we do with it, church? Like, it's there. How do we wrestle w with this? What, what do we take away? Well, there's lots of lessons, I suppose. we could. Let me just share a few for your consideration. Number one, 
We need to learn to be comfortable in God's presence, but not become casual and nonchalant. By casual, I'm not referring to our dress, but the state of our hearts. One of the gripping things about the story is not just what happened, but when what happened happened. Like this happened so close after the day of Pentecost. We don't know exactly. I looked at several timelines this week of the book of Acts. Don't really know how long it was. Was it a few weeks, a few months, several months? Don't really know. But there were several people in the early church that were obviously a part of the 120 that were in the upper room. It had just happened a few weeks, a few months previous. In fact, uh, there's some who think that Ananias and Sapphira may even have been among the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. But whether they were there or not, they would have known what happened on the day of Pentecost, this incredible outpouring of the presence and the power of God. They knew this. And then within weeks, they're pretending to be somebody they're not, and they're playing games with with Peter and lying to him. And most of all, they were lying to the Holy Spirit. They were way too casual about the things of God. Brothers and sisters, please understand, we serve an awesome and holy God. He's not the buddy next door. He's God, and we need to learn to honor his presence, with, which leads us to number two. We need a healthy sense of the fear of God. Twice in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it, it references how when this happened and they died, fear gripped people. We need to have a healthy fear of God. I'm not talking about negative fear, for instance, a fear engendered by an abusive parent causing a child to cower in the corner. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a healthy fear that leads to a deep, reverent respect for Almighty God so that we honor Him in every way. One definition I read this week of the fear of the Lord, which I think is really good, is awe mixed with intimacy. Awe mixed with intimacy. Ananias and Sapphira got way too casual in the presence of God. They kind of promoted themselves even in their opinion. They wanted to do it their way and not God's way. Paul wrote to the church in Colossians. He said, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, evil desires, Ananias and Sapphira, and covetousness, 
which is idolatry. Ananias and Sapphira, I believe, committed adultery, idolatry. They, they, they put themselves and what they wanted and what they thought above what they were supposed to do. Thirdly, we need to be reminded that there's an enemy out there working to interrupt everything that God does. In verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? But make no mistake, church family, Satan didn't make them do it. He tempted them, but they decided. The New Living Translation renders verse 3. Why did you let Satan fill your heart? Satan can tempt you, but he can't force you. The enemy is working. He worked against Ananias and Sapphira, and he's working against us in our pursuit of the presence of God. The battle is on. Number four. Note the responsibility of leaders in the body of Christ. Pastors, this is for you. Elders, deacons. Peter had to confront Ananias and Sapphira. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. I've pastored and been a leader for way too long. I know these crucial conversations are not easy. But it's so important that a pastor and our leaders love us enough to speak the truth to us. They tell us what we need to hear and not what we want to hear. Peter leaned in and he called him by name. Ananias, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Sapphira, did you bring this money he called her out right on the button, or as they say, right on the money. Peter loved them enough. God's teaching me as a leader that my role in ministering in the body of Christ is to help people get better, not to help people feel better. Leaders have an incredible responsibility, and we see that in Peter. Number five, we need to be reminded that we need to respect those in authority over us. Pastors Jay and Jody, uh, Pastor Lori Lynn and John and all the team here, they have an incredible responsibility. Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for, the, submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account, as pastors and leaders, the pastors of this church are going to give an account to God for how they've watched out for your souls, and you need to respect them for that. It's not easy. Number six, note that this severe and sobering discipline happened when the church was so young Again, probably just a few weeks, months in its existence. God loves this church so much. And in the early days, the early weeks, the early months, he loved them enough to show them discipline. Although they all didn't die, they all saw what happened and heard 
what happened. And it happened when the church was so young. Can't help but think this is a great reminder for parents who have the privilege and the responsibility to raise their children for the Lord. Parents, love your children enough to lovingly teach and correct and discipline them. It's great to teach your kids about things like hockey, but more important, it's you need to teach them how to be holy, how to love God and honor God in the early formative years just like God did for the early church. And then number seven, let's be reminded that but for the grace of God, the judgment on Ananias and Sapphira could be on you and me. And maybe in some ways it should be. I mean, I am so human I, I falter and fail so many times, maybe more than even Ananias and Sapphira did. I deserve the judgment of God, and yet God loves me and extends his grace to me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now... I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace, grace appear the hour I first believed. God's amazing grace. In conclusion, I know this is sobering. To look at this story and to wrestle with it. And uh, full disclosure, I wrestled with God about this. That God, I'm a guest at Maple View. I let me let me talk about something easy. I wanted to talk about the Acts 4 stuff about Barnabas and generosity and, and how God used Barnabas. And, oh, and then you would like me. I, I remember I was doing a, a sermon a long time ago, or, or a funeral a long time ago. And, uh, and it was a man who died and his wife was, and, and, he, and she said, Pastor, I don't want any altar calls at this funeral. I don't want any of that stuff going on. I said, I'll tell you what, I can't promise that. Because if God asks me to do something, I have to do it. And I would rather have you upset with me than have God upset with me. I didn't want, in, if it was up to me, I wouldn't be talking about this this morning. But I felt like God just kept bringing me back to this story. And, and actually, church family, it, it shouldn't be really that's, that's surprising to us. When we have communion as the body of Christ, one of the pastors probably reads this text every time. Listen closely. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who 
eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And the word sleep there means many have died. It's a sobering reminder, but an important one. And I love, I love the theme that Pastor Jay feels directed to for Mapleview for this year. Wind and fire, a passionate pursuit of God's presence and power. Yes, we all need that. And my sense is that God is going to continue to do amazing things in and through Mapleview. But my encouragement to you is to ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything in your life that needs to be dealt with like there was in Ananias and Sapphira's life. He loves you. And as long as you hang on to your stuff, your hands are closed and can't receive to the stuff that God wants to give you when you gather in his presence. Bless you, Mapleview. You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.